This is Shi'ar Jashub, which in Hebrew means, a remnant shall return. Hi, I'm Patty Scalzo, and I am so glad you can join us for this Bible study program brought to you by the congregation of Shi'ar Jashub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut. My husband, Pastor Greg Scalzo, has been teaching the in-depth series on heavenly authority. The current sermon is an overview of the monarchy in Israel, and Pastor has read the instructions for the king given to Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 17, which included the all-important command for the king to always have by his throne a copy of God's law that he may not turn aside to the left or to the right. Last time, Pastor Greg went ahead to Second Kings, to the time of the faithful King Josiah, and we saw how the Book of the Law was rediscovered in the temple during repairs, after having been lost for many years. The kings of Judah had not kept the command concerning God's word. The nation had gone into gross sin, and now, upon reading God's word for the first time, Josiah tears his clothes, acknowledging, Great is the wrath of the Lord against us. When we left off, Josiah sends men to the prophetess Huldah to inquire of the Lord. And they know that the Spirit of God is upon this woman, and they seek her out, and she's gifted by the Holy Spirit. And it says in verse 15, Then she said to them after they spoke with her, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Tell the man who sent you to me. Who is that? That's the king. That's Josiah. See, Josiah is just a man like anybody else. Tell him, thus says the Lord. Verse 16. Behold, I will bring calamity on this place and on its inhabitants all the words of the book which the king of Judah has read. You know, just because the people don't know the book, just because the king did not know the book, when they broke the words of the book, judgment was coming. Just because our nation no longer recognizes this book as a foundation for our moral code, just because the people are ignorant of the words which their forefathers gathered on Sunday mornings to hear on the greens spoken from the churches. They would build little tents or tabernacles for themselves and have the whole day studying God's word. Doesn't mean that the judgments proclaimed in the book will not happen. We can hide God's word away, but God's word still stands and what it proclaims will come about. It's just that now they know it. Now they understand it. Now they found it again. She says, the Lord says that all the words of the book will come about on its inhabitants. Because, why, verse 17, they have forsaken me and burned incense to other gods, that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands. Therefore my wrath shall be aroused against this place and shall not be quenched. But... As for the king of Judah, who sent you to inquire of the Lord, in this manner you shall speak to him. So we see the justice of God. The wrath that came against northern Israel 
is going to come against southern Judah. And it won't be stopped because they've broken this law. Then we see the mercy of God. But say to the king of Judah, who sent you to inquire of the Lord in this manner, you shall speak to him. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, concerning the words which you have heard, because your heart was tender and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I spoke against this place and against its inhabitants, that they would become a desolation and a curse. Remember the curses pronounced in the law? When they came into the promised land, they read the curses that Moses was given and is written in the law. Because you tore your clothes, Josiah, and wept before me, I also have heard you. I have heard you, says the Lord. Surely, therefore, I will gather you to your fathers, and you shall be gathered to your grave in peace. And your eyes shall not see all the calamity which I will bring on this place. So they brought back the word to the king. He's still going to bring the punishment. It will happen, but he won't let it happen under his reign. He will reign. He will not see the horror that will happen to his people, but it will come because the kings did not keep this book near them. When we don't do what the scriptures say, we open ourselves up to the attack of the enemy. Israel has these enemies surrounding her. We've seen it in the time of the judges. It is no different in the time of the kings. And no matter how many horses, no matter how many wives, no matter how much gold, that's not going to protect them. Only the Lord God can protect them. And when they push that book to the side, when it's forgotten, when it's hidden, when they're vile against it or they're apathetic towards it, then destruction comes in. And God shows mercy for a time, but the destruction is ordained and his word is true. Let every man be a liar, God is true. And his word will come about. Now, we'll go back, Lord willing, and look briefly at Israel's first king, Saul. And it starts wrong right from the very beginning. A study of Saul could easily be called a warning to all leaders, but we won't do that today. Today is Father's Day. Now, anyone listening to this, it probably is a much different time of the year than Father's Day. But on Father's Day, we know the responsibility, the great responsibility we have as fathers to teach this word to our children as spiritual leaders in our household. Parents, mother and father, both need to have this scripture on the throne of their family's house to teach the children that they would not go astray, that they would not forget the words of God, that they would not take that Bible and put it aside, that when they're asked, what are you? They say, well, we're Christians, like they would say they're some ethnic race or they're Americans, but it has no meaning to them for they know not the Bible and they know not their Lord Jesus Christ. There is a great responsibility to teach the children. That's the problem in our culture. There are not many fathers. There are not many physical fathers. Our homes are divided. Many children are not living in the house with their biological father. They've declared in the media the nuclear family to be dead. Well, I don't believe it's dead, but it's certainly in jeopardy. 
And without the Father in the household, there's not the representation of what God the Father is like. And of those fathers that are there, so many of them are concerned with their stocks, with their sports, with everything else but God. But the children are as though they're orphans. The fathers need to wake up. And it also ties into our teaching today because the wonderful name we are allowed as believers to call God Almighty, He who is that He is, Adonai the Lord, how many times, look in your concordance in the New Testament and see how many times in the Gospels, in the letters, you'll have pages of Father with a capital F because we're allowed to call God our Father. Now, you know, there's a wonderful scripture in Psalm 103. In verse 13, it says, As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities or has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. God knows his children. He knows that we're frail. He knows that we need help. It says he pities us, he has compassion, just like you have compassion on your children. When you see your child sick, isn't it a terrible thing if your child gets sick and they're crying? And that helpless feeling when you want them to be well and there's only so much you can do, you're giving them the medicines, you're praying. Well, God has the same compassion, the same love toward us. He loves us and has compassion on us, but he's also the good father that desires to discipline us. And the last thing we want to look at today is in Hebrews chapter 12. Because we speak about the love of God, and we forget that love has a merciful side, and love has a disciplined side. And that disciplined side sometimes is more important to love than even the mercy, the compassion he shows us. In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 5 it says, and have you forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons? The new covenant, we're children, we're sons and daughters of God. My sons, do not despise the chastening, or if you have a NIV, the discipline of the Lord, the chastening, the rebuke, the chastisement to bring us to what's right. Nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, look at this, whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. That sounds hard, huh? That God would do such a thing that he would chasten us, he scourges us. And why does he do it? Every son whom he loves. Verse 7, if you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? You know, in our society where the mothers and the, the moms and dads are gone, the kids are taken care of by preschool and nannies, they don't see their parents maybe for an hour, everything is all kindness and goodness, what sport are you in, let's have good happy talk, and there's no discipline and the kids are out there more miserable than ever, with so much money given over to them out of guilt, but lost, without a compass, suicidal and depressed. We forget that 
In other time periods, it was a responsibility of the parents to discipline, to raise up a child to be a responsible, righteous individual and not to be just someone that gave money to them to say, now go play over here, go watch a movie over there, I have to go to work. What son is there whom a father does not chase? And every son in this day, in the Lord's day, was, was regulated, was disciplined, was taught by their father. Verse 8, but if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, all believers become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. If you never know the chastening of the Lord, either you're perfect, you're wonderful, or you're not really a son, because if you do things wrong, then God, as our Father, what type of father would not discipline his children? The Fellowship of Shir Jeshub Christian Tabernacle of Madison, Connecticut is dedicated to sending forth the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ and witnessing His salvation message to a generation at risk. And it would be encouraging to hear from our listeners. All correspondence should be mailed to Shear Jeshub Christian Tabernacle, Post Office Box 518 Branford, Connecticut, 06405. Also, let me invite you to our Sunday service. Shear Jeshub Christian Tabernacle meets at 10 a.m. at the Madison Memorial Hall on Meeting House Lane in Madison, Connecticut. Take exit 61 off I-95. Go south to Route 1. Turn right, and at the next light, turn right again. Please join us next time for Shear Jeshub.